Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets gay. Tonight, it's episode 182, and the nightmare closet is about to creak open once again. And this time, I am facing the 1983 sci-fi kind of sort of satire spoofy thing strange invaders it's the story of one of those quaint little perfect midwest towns you know where time seems to stand still and everybody's just perfect and you know why they're perfect because they're not people they're actually shape-shifting monsters from beyond the stars but you know what i'm not scared i'm not scared to face those nasty bug-eyed aliens no sir because i am not going into the nightmare closet alone this time no sir i'm bringing two fabulously gay guests with me i'm bringing back ben sure who you remember from the Flowers in the Attic episode, as well as the director of Creatures from the Pink Lagoon, Chris Diani. And we're going to have a good time fighting aliens, getting blue balls, which is a joke we never made during the conversation, but that's not really the point right now. Oh, kids, I am wore out. It's very fortunate that I recorded the segment with Chris and Ben early because this whole week has turned into a shambles. Those of you who've been following me on Facebook know that Smoochie had a really big, not setback, a complete turn of events. I took her to the vet on Monday. She was getting her bandage off, off her tail. It has finally healed after two months. And I was so happy. I was so proud of her. And by the time I got her out of the case, bringing her home from the vet. By the time I got her home, I got her out of that case, she had opened it up again. And I was heartbroken. And I stood there, and I'm just watching her beat the crap out of herself. And I'm horrified. I'm trying to stop her as best I can. And I needed help. Uh, Because she has her little, you know, cone of shame e-collar. But she can pull it off. She's so big and so strong that the the uh, ties that it came with. She can stretch them right out and whoop, it's right off. And the vet had said, well, you go to the pet store right now and you get her a dog collar. That'll keep it on her. But the thing is, I didn't want to leave her alone. Yeah, the pet store is just 20 minutes away, but I'm like, who knows what kind of damage she's going to do. So I put out the call on Facebook. Anybody in the area who can just watch her for a few minutes to keep her from hurting herself until I get back. I can take care of it myself. And I have to thank world-famous actress Elena Acker, frequent guest of the show. You'll know her from the Slumber Party Massacre shows and Time After Time and the Slashing. She lives right up the road from me, and she came over all sweaty on her bicycle, and she said, I'll watch the kitty, and she did. 
So not only she's a world famous actress, she's a superhero to cats and distress everywhere. But here's the thing. Uh, the vet tech couldn't come to rebandage her tail till about nine that night. So that's a good six hours. And it was fine. After Elena was here, uh, Smoochie went to sleep. But while the vet tech was here, she started again. Her back started doing that weird rippling spasm thing that I've told you about on here that never happens at the vet office, of course. And the woman said, oh my God, this cat's having a seizure. I said, no, 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 that's just the spasm she gets all the time. I said, no, she said, no, look at her eyes. They're completely dilated. She's not home right now. And I'm like, oh, Jesus. Oh, boy. And this is something the vet had suspected. So the vet tech was prepared for this. She's like, you need to give her this anti-seizure medication. She has got what is called feline hyperesthesia, which is similar to epilepsy. And to be perfectly honest, I don't really understand what it is completely because at this point I was so worn down and stressed out and sad and disappointed and angry and scared that a lot of it was going in one ear and out the other and you'd say well Patrick that was days ago why haven't you looked it up well that's because Mr. Bradford has been having some major medical problems so I've had to take him to the hospital to get tests and bring him home safely and all stuff like that and 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 so, well, I'm dealing with, you know, because he's the ideal patient, let me just tell you. He is a charmer when you're taking him home from these things. and He's all loopy on drugs and he's being all cuckoo crazy and farting and burping on people even more than he does normally. So I just spent, you know, three hours waiting in the hospital and then bringing him home and making sure he got into bed, making sure he didn't knock himself over or do anything stupid. And then I had to go to the DMV. To renew my car registration. That's another four hours. And then I had to go to CVS to pick up a prescription. And they're like, oh, this has a $300 copay on it. I said, no, it doesn't. I've been getting this stuff for 15 years now. There's never a copay on it. We're all new here. So the manager's not going to be until tomorrow. So oh, fuck it. Fuck it. So I have had it with everybody at this point. I have had to stop and start this intro about 10 times now. You don't know it because my editing is seamless because Miss Smoochie's all meow, 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 meow because this medication's great but it makes her weird. So she gets all spacey and it's just like la, 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 la. So between her being spacey and Mr. Bradford being spacey on, on, on whatever drugs he was, I am done. Mama is done. Now, I have to talk to the vet tomorrow. I have to pay the vet for all the medications that this woman just dropped in my lap and ran away with. Uh, I have to pay her tomorrow. I have no idea how much that's going to cost me. And I'm going to get the full scoop from her then. Hopefully, I'll be better rested than I am now because right now, I'm a little bit Looney Tunes. But I have a show to do. And fortunately, the majority of it was recorded in advance. The thing that's worrying me is that if she does not respond to these medications, and even if she does respond to the medications, the vet is strongly suggesting that the next step is a tail amputation. And that idea breaks my heart. And I, the other thing is that I don't have the money for that. That's going to be a no, another GoFundMe thing. But I will cross that bridge 
when I come to it. Oh, and by the way, the icing on the cake of all this is that it's Tyler Poo's anniversary today. Tyler Poo Kitty left us four years ago today. And so I'm already, you know, you know how I get around this time of year. I'm kind of emotionally fragile. So add all this other nonsense on top of it. I am ready to keel over. The only other tidbit of news is that I got to do some TV work. I'm going to be on an episode of Mr. Robot. I am not allowed to talk to you about anything about that episode. I can't even tell you when it's going to air. I'm not allowed to. I had to sign a non-disclosure agreement, and they will sue me into oblivion if I do. So if you watch Mr. Robot, keep an eye out for me. I'll be the one doing something really interesting that I can't tell you about because they're, they're watching. They're watching. So... We're going to cut right to the cheese. We're going to get right down to business with Mr. Deanny and Mr. Sure. We're going to talk about Strange Invaders and On the Way Out. I know some of you have been waiting a while to get your voicemails in. I just can't do it today. And the deadline to get the show out is looming closer and closer, and I'm fried. Just talking for the five minutes that I've been talking now has left me quite weird. And bleary. So we'll be getting to all that next time. So Rob and I apologize. TJ, I apologize. Uh, Chuck, I apologize. Chuck's been waiting for a couple of episodes, but it'll keep. I'll get to it. I promise. I promise. And for those of you who are waiting for your very special songs for becoming Patreon subscribers, that's going to have to wait too. But we'll talk about that on the flip side because now it is time to walk down to the end of that dark, dark hallway. You know, the one with that big door at the end. The one that gives you shivers every time you walk past it. Because you know what's behind that door. No, it's not the guest bedroom. It's not even Candy Spelling's wrapping paper room. Oh no, Behind that door is the nightmare closet. And what's waiting behind it tonight? The entire population of the town of Centerville, Illinois. Beware. Beware. Something's about to come out. Out of the closet. The nightmare closet. <laughs> Centerville, Illinois is a nice place to live in. Hey, but you wouldn't want to visit there. And you definitely don't want to bring the family. Because the people of Centerville have a little secret they really would rather not share. Well, this is odd. No one's lived in that town since 1958. I know what I saw. You've intruded on a very delicate situation. I led them right to you. 
25 years ago, they came from another galaxy and joined the human race. Now, they're ready to leave, and some of us may be going with them. Strange Invaders. So for those of you who are new to the show, The Nightmare Closet is the segment of the program where I go back in time and I revisit a movie that made a huge mark on my childhood. It either scared me to death or, like this movie, it was the coolest thing I ever saw when I was 12. But I haven't seen it since. And we're going to find out if this movie stands the test of time. And... I'm doing something a little unusual this time. Normally, visiting the Nightmare Closet is a solo effort. You know, it's soul-searching and introspection and all that stuff. But this time, I'm throwing that door wide open, and I'm inviting some people in. So, without any further ado, our first guest, you remember him from the Flowers in the Attic episode. He's a film lover, and he showed up to the podcast drunk. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Mr. Ben It is the greatest honor in my life to be invited back for the second time. I feel like this is what, uh, I don't know, it must feel to be invited back to Dick Cavett or something. Uh huh. And you so. shut up full Neil O'Hara, which is fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> full Act 3 Neil O'Hara. So true. <laughs> Mama had a bad day, but oh wait, oh wait, I couldn't do it with just one. It's all about the group sessions these days. What can I say? My next guest, he is the director of Creatures from the Pink Lagoon, the movie that we loved back when Sean Eward made me watch it on the show, and he's got a face that I just want to pinch and squeeze, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, director Chris Diani. Greetings and salutations. I am super thrilled to be popping my Scream Queen's cherry today. Yes. And to be doing it with Ben... <laughs> then we'll archive it somehow. Be gentle, he does. Ben. Be gentle. <laughs> Aw, gentle Ben. Aw. Aw. Aw, it's a bear with an ugly kid. What? Are we talking about that? No. So, guys. <laughs> guys, it's so great to have you guys here. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. I think it's great That's to be the here. last nice thing he'll say to us for the entire night. I have no Duly idea. Duly noted. Him. How dare you? How dare you? Well, I got to tell you. I got to tell you guys. I posted this on Facebook earlier. Like I said, I normally don't invite people into my nightmare closet. And since as the day, as the time was coming up for guys to record this, I suddenly realized I was feeling very vulnerable and naked. So. Uh, oh, we'll take good care of you in the closet. Oh, I was hoping you'd ravage me, but whatever. No, no, no. Or that. Or that. Both, you know. Okay, so the movie we're talking about is Strange Invaders from 1983, which I was shocked that neither of you two had heard of at all. Yeah. Yep, it was news to me, which is funny because I saw Strange Behavior very recently and had no clue that Strange Invaders existed. Yeah, Strange Behaviors is by the same director. It is, yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is not so Australian, though. Wait, but, which one's Australian? Oh, wait, wasn't that, wasn't that movie that wasn't that yeah, movie shot in was, Australia? But they used all American actors or something? Strange Invader, or Strange Behavior was Aussie Exploitation. Yeah. It's interesting, Chris, because it seems like Strange Invaders would have been a big influence on you. You know, it's fun. watching that, I thought about that, and I'm like, wow, it ends kind of the same way as Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. But no, I'd never seen it. With a big musical number? 
with well, I don't want to spoil <laughs> it quite yet. <laughs> there are parallels. Let's just put it that way. Okay, so since you two are the guests. It is your job that I'm foisting upon you right now to give a 30-second elevator speech plot summary of Strange Invaders. You're on the clock. Okay, go. Fight it out between you. Chris, you can go first. You're new. All right. Well, Strange Invaders is about a uh, town in Illinois that supposedly is abandoned after a tornado, but, dun-dun-dun, might be full of aliens and techies. And oh, am I doing the whole thing? No, well, Ben, oh, okay, ben, ben just let, Ben just dropped no, that baton. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. Uh, and the, the pleasant surprise of it is that uh, even though half of it takes place in this strange abandoned town, uh, a man whose wife, his weirdo wife Diana Scarwood, who's always a weirdo, disappears into the town, goes looking for her with the help of Nancy Allen, playing a tabloid journalist uh, in Manhattan. Uh, and the two of them have to figure out what's going on uh, together and fight off evil waitress slash Avon lady Fiona Liz. <laughs> <laughs> She's amazing. She was amazing. amazing. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, this is the first time I've seen this movie since I was a kid. I, I understand that now. I saw well, and Dallas that you got to see when you were a kid. I think it would have blown my mind. Well, the thing is, is when this movie came out, it was a critical darling. Yeah, people who would not really? normally love this movie loved this movie. It flopped at the box office really hard. Yeah, I can see how that might have happened. So I would have saw it in the theater. Yes, I did, and it used to be on HBO quite a bit as well. So I probably haven't seen it since 1985, 1986 or so. See, that makes it even crazier that I've never seen it because I was an HBO kid. I watched everything on HBO, and it was PG, so it wasn't like it was showing up at four o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. You didn't even have to know your parents' code to, to watch that. No, you didn't have to press three and nine and dig, jiggle that little knob. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> this is one of those amazing fucked up PG-rated movies that they don't make anymore. Yeah. Yeah, because for the most part, it's pretty tame, but then you get some face-ripping stuff. Some major face-ripping and some, some green blood gushing, too. Yeah. Yeah. And some wonderful child endangerment, which I always like, as you know, from our Flowers in the Attic podcast. I know. Well, I figured this had everything that you love. It has, you know, fla- it has Diana Scarwood just being terrible. It's got <laughs> child Diana endangerment. Scarwood, I, I, I think she treated this film as like her dialect class because she comes in with four different accents. She really well, she does in this, has in this movie. Accents are always weird. And also his his alter ego, Louise Fletcher. By the way, she was only able to get cast as mad scientists from, like, 1978 to 1986. Like, she must have been so fucking excited when they were like, you're going to play an abusive grandmother, because she was only a <laughs> bad scientist. She, she does was, them so well. She was a government yeah. official. Thank you. Oh, sorry. Well, what, yes. I don't know, because I had to buy the DVD for this, because they took conveniently took it off of Daily Motion immediately after I said we were doing this. Um, and it came with Invaders from Mars on the flip side. Nice. Which had Louise Fletcher in it as well as a as a as an alien possessed school teacher who eats a frog. <laughs> wow, I don't remember that. No, they, she tur- she turned I around. Mean, she's got fl- frog legs like flapping out of her mouth. They're going Oscar winner Louise Fletcher. <laughs> That's amazing. So scary and yet seems so nice at the same time. 
Right. Well, she's you know she's buying that house in the Hamptons with all those rolls. Sure, so. she hey she bitch keeps working. Good for her. Good for her. And she was robbed. She was robbed. I must say, I watched Invaders from Mars a while ago, and for an amazing cast too, it has Lorraine Newman and Karen Black. I thought it was kind of a bore. Like Strange Invaders was way better to me than Invaders from Mars. Oh, good. Thank you. Because I, I was I was as I watched it this time, I said a real a lot of the charm. I don't think has aged well because they were really trying to make a 1950s movie in the 80s. They used a lot of the same techniques and the same camera angles and the over, uh, over intrusive score. Oh yeah, there it was like a there was some um, far from heaven scoring going on. There. Yeah, that was all part of the joke of it. And I said I don't think that reads now. No, it really didn't. The Vaseline on the lens, the the sort of the idyllic. Um, cinematography. It was just like, what are we watching here? And definitely, it, there was a disconnect there. And just the 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 way that we sort of jumped from scene to scene with no real connective tissue or exposition. I'm just like, oh, I guess we're getting kidnapped now. Yeah, yeah. So okay, let's just walk through the plot of it. Hey, first of all, we get a title scroll, which is kind of fabulous. Love that it. title scroll is amazing for the line where they say that there is nothing to be afraid of except communists and rock and roll. That's right. Until that night. Dun, dun, dun. And it was a world of like sock hops and milkshakes and Elvis from the waist up. <laughs> uh, exactly. And and necking in your red pickup truck apparently. Which yeah. Is, which is what we see mm. immediately. Yeah, because now it's this night in Centerville, Illinois, in 1958, the night that the aliens came, and it's just a regular night, and you're having this lovely pastiche of various themes of kids being tucked into bed and people watching Ed Sullivan, wherever the hell was on. And this couple going out necking. Right. Which the male in the couple was Dan Shore from Strange Behavior. Oh, okay. The lead. Okay. I didn't know. I that. feel like there are so many eighties, fifties movies that big horror movies that begin with a couple necking. Like, isn't that the beginning of the blob and night of the creep? Like that's what you did apparently in the fifties in the imagination of people from the eighties. Uh huh. Oh yeah. Blueberry Hill. Uh huh. Thank you. I got that. Uh-huh. That was a Happy Days joke. I got it. <laughs> it was. Well, Happy Days in what? Chuck Berry or whoever sang the original song. Who? Never heard of him. I thought Ron Howard sang that song. Oh, God. <laughs> but, yeah, so during all this, you see this big black dildo appear in the sky. <laughs> it, don't, it is a dildo. It's crazy. It's just coming in from <laughs> from camera right. Just like this. It's Fiona Lewis's phallus. It is. I was calling it the penis shit. Because while the practical effects in this are damn good, yeah. the alien effects, the, the makeup, the uh, face mm-hmm. ripping, they're all really good. The digital stuff, animation stuff, not so much. Oh, God. Very that's not, I don't even think that's digital. I think that's like MS-DOS. Anton. Yeah, I'm sorry. I did not use the right term because I realized we were way way before digital it's 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 kind of like the um the the it's kind of like that high pro glow among you know kira's sisters at the beginning of xanadu and they're coming out yeah. of the wall and they're, <laughs> they're, they're <laughs> totally. like magic marker highlighter thing like screwed around like it's terrible it's terrible so the the uh this big alien ship shows up and it spits out a little alien ship and you see little alien feet marching all around the town right the makeout couple come home you know, she drops the girl off. She walks into the house, and she's like, oh, it's really weird. There's nobody here, and it follows him home. 
He sees there's nobody in the home, and he calls the police. But before he can do it... Shadow of an alien attack. Big alien tentacle claw appears behind him. He turns right. around, and he screams. And the house fills with mysterious blue light. Strange invaders. And so now... And, and opening credits. Yeah. The thing... Okay, this is something that I just want to point out now, because it will come back later. I love that the girl in the makeout scene took out her chewing gum and put it on the steering wheel. Yeah, yeah, she did. And then that was when a gob of chewing gum, too. And then when they were done, she took it off the steering wheel. So you put it back in? She wasn't wasting it. And put it back yeah, in like her mouth. But here's the thing. I don't know if you caught this at the end of the movie. She was still chewing no. that gum. Oh, God, she was. I did not. Yeah, so great. we'll come back to that. It's 25 years later. She's still chewing that fucking piece of gum. <laughs> That's That's amazing. a well-structured script. Oh, of course. Now the cat's going to act up. Smoochie, just please sit down. Thank you. Thank you. She's she she she's 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 she 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 loves teenagers making out. Who doesn't? Too. Especially especially when they're wearing, you know, poodle skirts and bobby socks. Because poodles. Uh yes, so now it's the present and we get to meet our main dude, Paul Lamatt, who you will know from American Graffiti and much later on from the original Puppet Master movie. Oh, yes, that's where I've seen him. Yes. And yeah, as far as a leading man goes, oh. unconventional, unconventional <laughs> choice. The least. But then again, he's near unconventional dude because you know what does he do for a living? He's an, a professor of entomology at Columbia. That's right. I'm glad you remember that. I did not. He's a bug professor. He's, he's Mr. Bugs, which kind of never matters. Like, not, I thought when he was introduced as an entomologist, like there there would be some kind of like, oh, I understand these creatures because I understand alien, uh, insects. And no, no, right, it really right. has nothing in to do a, with anything. In a these 1950- aren't bug aliens. I'm sorry, what? These aren't even like bug aliens, you know? No. no. It's a real missed opportunity. No, 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 no. Yeah, because we do spend a lot of time with bugs, given that they don't go anywhere. But, you know, and... It, it, and he, like you said, he's got this whole thing. He's got his ex-wife. Um, uh, uh, now I just scribbled over everybody's name because, like, I'm Margaret. Margaret. Margaret, played by the absolutely useless Deanna Scarlett. Oh my God! <laughs> From Where Mommy Dearest. Have... Oh, go on. No, I was done. I was just saying, like, for those of you who don't know who she is, she was Christina in Mommy Dearest. Go, Ben. And ex- extremities as Farrah Fawcett's vengeful neighbor. I'm just that. confused. I love her. I never want to say a bad thing about her, but I am confused by her career and the longevity. <laughs> because she's she, just a weird actress. She's always weird. Uh-huh. She can turn in a good performance. She was Jay's mother on Wonderfalls, and she was amazing. Uh-huh. Oh, my God. I loved Wonderfalls. You're right. Yes. She's Jay's mother, and she's amazing in it. But then she did one episode of Lost where she was like the sheriff of the others. And apparently that was supposed to be a multi-episode arc. And as soon as she stepped on set, they were like, no, I oh, think we're no. just going to give you one episode. Oh, no. So something's, something's up with her. Yeah. She, she was great in Extremities, too. But then she's kind of terrible in Mommy Dearest. I mean, terrible in like a great way. Yeah. yeah she, but she adds to the camp. But in this, she's just terrible, terrible. She's hilariously terrible in this. It's robotic. It's so weird. But you're right because she's playing an alien human. It's kind of appropriate, like when they cast Christy Swanson as a robot. 
It is, but it's not. But it doesn't work. It, none of it works. Like even when you know she's an alien, none of it works. She doesn't act like the other aliens. Why does she have a southern doesn't. accent and none of the other ones do? None of it makes sense. Why is she slathered with glitter gel on, in the end of the in the film where no one else is? It's just it's so bizarre. Yeah, she was, and also she was nominated for a Razzie for this performance. Oh, she was. Yeah, she was. <laughs> she did not that. win. She did not win. Who did win? I don't know. I'm a terrible podcaster. I'd be curious to find that out. Because she's fucking awful. It, it might have been Pia Zadora and the Lonely Lady. It was not. I, that I would have remembered because I would have thrown that in your face. It was somebody that I didn't really have any attachment to one way or the other. Uh-huh. Okay. She's dropping off their daughter. They're divorced, and they have this daughter, Elizabeth. And she has to go home to Centerville because her mother has died. My mother died. I've got to go back. You look real good. Right. Which... Is that a lie? Do we ever know what the real story is there? It's a lie. It's got to be. She's going she home. Alien. Her mother's like on planet Zoltar. Yeah, and she's going back to Centerville. It's because it's time. The deadline's coming right. up. But, but what's weird about this is that this is supposedly the inciting incident, right? Where she drops the kid off and she goes to Centerville and goes missing. But then the aliens show up in New York. So what was the? why was it necessary for her to go to Illinois at all? That's Do they show up because they're chasing... All of that? I think, yes, I think that's exactly why I think they show up. Oh, it's so weird. And then, okay, and I, and while we're still talking about the beginning of the film, I have a question, because on my second viewing, I realized this, and I was just like, wait a second, Paul Amat, Charlie is his name, Charlie Bigelow, uh-huh. he he has a girlfriend. Uh-huh. He, he, he has a girlfriend that like, I caught like, it oh, the what second do, time. What do you want to do tonight? See a movie? She's like, sure. And then the ex-wife shows up, and the kid gets dropped off, and we literally never see this girlfriend again there's not a fight nobody's upset like there's nothing to to lead us to believe that there was a falling out but she just never shows up again in all fairness he comes in contact with nancy allen and when that happens (laughs) all All bets are off homosexuals become straight men leave their girlfriends because because even in that hideous orange jumpsuit that they put her in it's still nancy allen (laughs) She's amazing. She is and with one of her like her like it, her severe hairdos too. Oh, it was the, it was the early '80s. Everybody had that tight, short, aquanated nightmare. They all everybody had that. Everybody had right. That. I love love it. It's the, it's the Melanie Griffith in the second half of Working Girl. Yes, exactly. Yes. Actually, that meets the body, Melanie Griffith and body double. It's like the melding <laughs> of those two hairdos. Exactly. That was possibly the gayest thing that anyone has ever said on this show. Well, I, I'm a scholar of 80s hair, so what can I say? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So anyway, yeah, so she's dropping the kid off to go home to Centerville, and she's like, I'll be back in a few days, but then she never comes back. And he's trying to contact her, but the phone company keeps saying, I'm sorry, all lines to Centerville are down. We can't contact anybody there. Sorry, 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 sorry. So he's like, okay, I'm going to drop her off with – I'm going to drop the kid off with my mom and go off to Centerville – by myself and the mom anybody catch this no yeah it's june lockhart from lost in space yes control yep and there's a little lost in space reunion in this film because uh, mark goddard shows up too yes he does Oof. yes he does don don from lost in space Uh childhood crushes galore Uh uh-huh all we needed was was the robot to show up and it would have been the perfect movie it well i can't argue that any any movie with a robot's perfect but, no, but that robot and Dr. Smith, just bring them all back. Fuck it. Just bring them all back. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. So he takes off 
to, to just go to Centerville himself, and he loads his dog in his cool hip station wagon, and he drives across country and just encounters all kinds of weirdness because right. it's still 1958. And Well, and the weirdness starts with the Centerville sign just being knocked over on the side of the road, which apparently is supposed to indicate that this is a, an abandoned town. Yeah, the aliens were just like, fuck that. We're gonna knock it but over. When he gets there, we're not gonna take. We're not gonna get rid of the sign. We're just gonna knock it over. Right. Leave it on the side of the road for Tornado twenty-five years. That. No problem. So weird. And then so he shows up at that inn, and the asshole innkeeper is just like, "Is your dog staying?" Yes. <laughs> I'm here looking for the Newmans. Newman, my name's Newman. Arthur Newman. Ah. Maybe you know my wife, Margaret. Your wife, Margaret Newman? Yeah. I'm afraid not. Maybe she left before you got here. No, I've lived here all my life. Maybe you got the wrong time. I don't think that's possible. Now, her mother just passed away, Alma Newman? No, I've, uh, I know all the Newmans in, uh, Centerville. I never heard of her. Uh, how long are you planning on staying, Mr. Bigelow? I'm just gonna look around. I presume you don't mind. Oh, no, no. Is that dog saying to? Please, keep that dog locked up. And the asshole innkeeper? Anyone? No, who was that actor? That was Kenneth Toby from the original The Thing. God, this class wow. Is, podcast is like being in history class. I never know the answers. <laughs> Sit at the back of the class. But if we talk about his hairdo, then we'll... <laughs> <laughs> then you'll have much to, to join in with. Yeah, so he gets there and he's asking all questions. He's like, I'm looking for Margaret and, you know, her mom died. And he's like, no, I've never heard of any of these people. I've always lived here. Sorry. Nobody. But he has the same last name. Again, there's like these, there are these weird little bits that seem like setups that never go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, well, I just kind of figured it was like Amish country where everybody's name is Zook. <laughs> it could be. And they're all in Rumspringa. That's right. All the aliens have the same last name because they have no originality. Yeah, so it's still 1958. Everybody's still dressed like 1958. Everything's exactly the way it was that night. He runs into some kids, and they're all running around their poodle skirts and bobby socks and everything. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, these aliens suck at stealth. Yeah, they really do. Yeah, they're all yes. creepy they're on contact. <laughs> yes. Which Yeah, is it because they've been isolated to Centerville, Illinois? That's part of the agreement? So that they, they, they're not learning about the way that culture has advanced in those 25 years? Well, I don't know. That's the other thing that's weird because we find out that some, some factions of the aliens have been sent out like Margaret to right. learn about the planet and others have not. So I don't know what all these other aliens are doing there. Well, maybe it was like Margaret was supposed to come back and instruct all of them. And then, as we find out later, she didn't want to because she liked it. And they're all like, oh, fuck, we have to go to this shit small town and try to pretend to behave like them. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. Well, yeah, because the, the, the hologram alien at the end did seem to chastise Margaret for getting too close to the humans. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We're way ahead of ourselves. But yeah, so, so <laughs> yes, whatever, whatever. He, 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 he finds all these weird things. His dog all of a sudden disappears. Okay, that scene is the strangest, just just in the way that it's assembled and the way that it's shot. I have no clue what happened. So he, so Charlie goes into the church because he sees, I think he sees a blue glow or something. So he goes into the church, but then um, he he leaves and there's this sudden windstorm that kicks up, 
Yeah. And then there's this weird series of shots where it's like something is whooshing by him and there's like this, this snarling sound effect. Uh-huh. But it's it's a subjective camera. So whatever it is that's whooshing by him is like that's the eyes of of whatever we're seeing. So you don't know what it is that's whooshing by him. He has this horrified look on his face, but it sounds like maybe it's his dog freaking out or snarling or something. Yeah. And then and then the wind stops and then you hear this weird howl and suddenly he's packing his bag and checking out of the out of the inn. Yeah. <laughs> it's the weirdest sequence. It is weird. Watching it the second time this time, I think what they were trying to convey was that the dog got blue orbed, which they don't know about yet because we haven't gotten there right. yet. Because right. Well, and the, the other thing that's weird about that scene is that at one point they show the asshole innkeeper peeking into Charlie's hotel room, and it's got one of those half doors. And the and the top half of the door is open, and he's just like peeking over the the bottom half of the door at the dog, and he's just like, "What kind of hotel is this?" <laughs> An alien one. It's, it's like it's like a, the set of laugh in all of a sudden, where like the top <laughs> half of the door <laughs> pops open, and he's looking in on the dog. Oh, that would be great. That would be <laughs> great if I like, oh, popped up and Ruth Buzzy just showed up for no reason. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that would be Joanne Worley. Ah, that would be amazing. <laughs> It feels almost like that could happen, given the tone of the movie. Uh-huh. If it was ten years later. Well, and given the cast, too. That's true, too. Yeah, yeah and, 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 and then all of a sudden, it's an all-assault out, uh, all out on him. They, they, one of the, uh, the guys... Well, his car breaks down, and he argues with the mechanic. Like, the mechanic gives him an estimate of how long it's going to take, and he turns to this asshole. He's like, no, not two hours, a half an hour. Yeah. And so he goes into the diner... And he's an asshole to, I think it's the same, it's the Avon lady, right? Yeah, and he's kind of surly with her, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> they just, they zap his car and it blows well, up. Well, he's being surly with everyone because they're being assholes. He's like, hi, I'm trying to find my dog. There's other people in the diner who are all just sitting there not consuming anything. Oh, yes. They, they, it's like the farewell quartet, right? Where like every time he mentions his dog, another person leaves the diner. They just walk <laughs> out silently. <laughs> Yeah, so, I mean, as far as weirdness goes, like, they are not hiding anything. And when he goes out yeah. to get his car again, the the creepy innkeeper guy shoots lasers out of his brain. <laughs> Which is kind of amazing. Which is kind of amazing. She's lightning bolts out of his blade, uh, brain and blows up the car. And now the chase is on. They chase him out of town. He sees one of them as he's escaping town in full alien form. Yes. Right. That that's the key. That is the key. And he escapes. And well, and that that full alien zaps the car because he steals a car to get out of town, and yeah. that alien zaps that car, but only like kind of half zaps it, I guess. So like the trunk blows off and the back doors blow off. Uh huh. And then he gets pulled over by a non-alien cop. Right, and inexplicably he just starts laughing. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very weird. Another weird sequence. Yeah. Yeah, so he heads back to New York, but the thing is, in the meantime, every alien in town has now come to New York ahead of him. Yeah, they chartered yeah, a bus. They chartered a bus and got ahead of his plane, which is amazing. I, I love that they have to take a bus. That's really, that's, really, that's <laughs> It's kind of amazing. And like, and the, um, the, there's dude handing out drink tickets to them. I didn't know what that was either. Out. What is it? Yeah, I, I was trying to figure that out. I don't Unless know. it was their, the keys to their rooms, maybe? Maybe. Because then you do have that little scene where the um, alien Avon lady, you know, tries to use her powers to open the door, and the creepy sunglass dude is like, "No, no, no! 
do it like a human, and he shows her how to unlock the Use door. Use the key. key. Yeah, I but then he goes that. in his room and turns on the TV yeah. with his alien powers. I'm like, exactly. follow your own rules, jerk. jerk. Well, but he's doing it behind closed doors. Oh, okay. Yeah, I always feel bad for any person with supernatural powers who's forced to be basic like a human because of repressive whatever convention. Because of the patriarchy. Uh-huh. <laughs> the bewitched syndrome. Yes. Aww. It is a heartbreak. It really is. Just it is a heartbreak. Powers. That's why the aliens are so pissed. They just want to kill everyone. I totally get it. <laughs> uh-huh. And apparently the aliens don't take to New York very well. I guess it's too hot and humid there. <laughs> Because they can't get, they sweat a lot and they can't keep their skins on. Yeah, sunglass guy. Right after turning the TV on with his powers, he just rips his skin off. He orders a sandwich, goes to the bathroom. Oh yeah, that's right. He orders a BLT, which I just think is the weirdest thing for an alien to eat. I don't know why, but I just thought that was really bizarre. It's on their approved food list. I don't know. Is it? I just hope it's kosher. I know, but he doesn't even wait for the sandwich to come. He's like, I gotta get this shit off now. Right. Well, and then the and, well, and you've got the the world's most inappropriate hospitality staff, where the room service waiter and the chambermaid both just let themselves in. True. It is so, New York in the early '80s. True. So they're probably casing the joint. Uh huh. And they they assume like BLT is also code for sex at the Hyatt there. So <laughs> I'm sorry, it was the Hilton. Probably. It was the Hilton. Probably. <laughs> So yeah, so the alien comes out of his bathroom, sans human disguise, and the the chambermaid screams. And then scene. Uh-huh. So we have no clue what happens there. No, we don't. Well, I, su- I assume she got orbed. Probably. Oh, wait, yes, she, yes, I think she does, because I think she shows up at the end. Okay, all right, all right, all right. It's very possible. Everybody else does. <laughs> and the t- Even the guy. <laughs> So he's trying, and now we got uh, um, 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 Charlie. Was his Charlie? Name? Charlie. Yeah, I, t- yep. I scribbled over the names like an idiot. Charlie is he's trying to get anybody to listen to him. He's trying to tell a colleague at work, and the colleague at work's like, "Well, I don't know anything about this, but this lady might know." Right, and the colleague. That's this film has all of these bonkers details, which made me appreciate it more actually, because they're just so out. Just out there and unexplained. The colleague has this, like, blonde toddler with him crawling all over his desk. That is never Not referenced. A- nope. Nope. He just lifts him up, puts him in his lap, and then keeps delivering his lines. Like and it's, it's, some, such it's like some un- crew member's kid. It's such an unnecessary scene that I thought that this guy must be somebody, too. Oh, yeah. That they put him in uh-huh. the movie just to have another sci-fi icon in there, but I couldn't find anything out about him because I couldn't figure out what that character's name was. Right. And I, I said, I don't need to be spending this much time on this movie. Right. Well, and Charlie meets with his colleague also because his, his apartment's been trashed. Right. Which he never calls the police about. No, and he doesn't clean up. That's the worst part. Like, I mean, I get, like, you know. Well, his I'm girlfriend has come too. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she hasn't come back. But he if literally. I probably wouldn't have cleaned it up either. It's too overwhelming. Oh, I get it, but like literally, the refrigerator was on its side with the door open for two days. Like, yeah, just, you know, tip that thing back. And up. he was offering beverages out of it later. <laughs> out of it, yes. That's the worst part. It's like, come on, dude. That's gonna be warm beer by now. <laughs> that's nasty. That's nasty. And I mean, I know it's Nancy Allen and everything, but she's got some some standards, I'm sure. Uh, well, and then June June Lockhart appears right around here too, and. The question I have, first of all, there's, this is throughout the film, I can never tell if it's day or night. 
like just like from one scene to the next, it's pitch black, then bright daylight, then you know sunset, and it's just like what, where, what, where's the time going? And it doesn't film? help that all of June Lockhart's scenes take place in bed. In bed, yes. Yeah, so okay, so her bedroom is decorated like it belongs in Trump Tower, like it's yeah, you know, very... gold and this inlaid bed, and it's just it's all nuts. And then she's sleeping with the kid. Uh huh. Like you bedroom's decorated like that and you don't have a guest room well that's not no, she's weird the, kid, she's, the kid's upset because her mother's gone so she's comforting that's her. not weird yeah I, I don't know i didn't sleep with my grandmother no matter how upset i was well me neither but i said this i did it didn't bother me it didn't bother me yeah. well uh, and she's also like the world's bitchiest grandmother when someone wakes her up like she gets the call from her son and she's like well some of us are still sleeping that's <laughs> all you do grandma that's all i was I'm on contract to sleep through this movie Oh my god! And, and the second time we see her sleeping, she has a nighty with marabou sleeves. <laughs> she, she she sure oh my does. God, it's so amazing. She sure does. She knows how to make. She she's like, if I'm gonna sleep all day, I'm gonna make it high quality sleep. Uh huh. Absolutely. And she had a little face mask, and she just she needed a, like a half empty mai tai glass for the side of the bed to just complete the image. <laughs> to make it my mother. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, are we going there? We've we've been there. Thank you. We've been there. Uh, yeah. So uh, this guy, this professor, directs him to Louise Fletcher, right? Who runs some kind of government UFO studying department thing? You it know is called the. Friends, you know she's friends with Beatrice Strait's character in Poltergeist. Like they meet at co- academic conferences <laughs> and and, com- and yeah, compare stupid stories. And then this guy came in. <laughs> And I told her to run for the light, and she yeah. didn't listen. Uh, yeah, this little midget natural. lady showed up telling me how to do my job. <laughs> Tangina, who names her daughter that? Um, she works for the National Center for UFO Studies, mm-hmm. and she meets with Charlie in the interrogation room. Yes. Yes, and and she's, again, of no help. Oh, no help whatsoever. She's well. First of all, I have to mention she has a one-liter bottle of Tab on her desk, which I found so amazing. At a girl, <laughs> at a girl, and a shot glass next to it. It's for beautiful people. It's for beautiful people, Chris. It is absolutely. And she's a beautiful lady. Um, but I love the test. She's like, well, maybe, maybe some of these these artist renderings will trigger a memory <laughs> of the of the of the of the alien that you think you saw. Okay, so she shows him two pics that look like, you know, kids' refrigerator drawings. Uh-huh. And then a photo. Who is, is that Steven Spielberg? It's Steven Spielberg. Oh, God. It was, it's so clunky. It's so ridiculous. She's like, I'm sorry. That's a joke we like to play around here. Right. And he gets pissy, understandably so. And so she just, like, she kind of, because she, well, she tells him about, like, a rainstorm. And he's like, uh, you know, I'm not talking about rain. And so she tells him, the Marine will see you to the door. We receive reports of all kinds of phenomena here. As a scientist, you'll be interested to know that most of them turn out to have very rational solutions. Then there was this uh, small town in Louisiana where it rained on the same ten block. I didn't say it was raining in Centerville. Mr. Bigelow, if there was something out there, don't you think we'd know about it? I'll have the Marines show you out. Which is literally behind her. Uh-huh. Like, it's one step away. Like, you couldn't just turn around and open the door. The no. Marine had to show him out. Uh-huh. If you have a Marine on, 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 on you know, you got to give him something to do. 
Because clearly they don't do any work there at all. <laughs> well, and as a screenwriter, you know, if you have access to a Marine, you write a Marine into your script. So absolutely. I understand that. It makes it look high budget. It does. Yes, absolutely. It's more official. It's more official. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're dismissed. And as he's leaving, he passes a newsstand, and on the newsstand is a tabloid rag with a picture of the damn alien that he saw with the caption, Strange Invaders! Yes, the the titular scene. Yeah, that right, exactly. Uh-huh. So he goes to the tabloid office, and who wrote the article? But everybody's Nancy Allen! The fabulous Nancy Allen, and the movie really comes to life when she shows up. It does. Like It really does. That's She's what it needed. It was standing on the side of the road. Let me guess. You were hypnotized. You were taken aboard a flying saucer where they placed you on a silver table and examined you. You even have tiny marks all over your body to prove it. Look, Mr. Bigelow, we don't pay very much for alien stories anymore. Two-headed dogs. That's very big. Two-headed dogs, maybe, but aliens are passe. You've got that classic first shot of her where it's like, you know, her 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 pumps and then the camera just runs up her legs and she's her smoking. Orange, she's got her, leg. her orange clad legs, yes. Uh-huh. yes. Oh, that 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 jumpsuit or whatever it is, that that matching set. That's amazing. She's she's poured into that thing. I did like her beige silk Halston number. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was lovely, too. Uh-huh. That was also that was fantastic. Yes. But I Several questions. First of all, Patrick, you might know because you lived in New York in the early 80s. Could a woman whose job was to write articles about aliens for a tabloid rag afford that fabulous uptown apartment? I doubt it. I doubt it. Very, very (laughs) – and the other – my other question is why – I don't know if either of you know this, but right after Strange Invaders, Nancy Allen's next movie was not for publication where, again, she played – a New York feminist tabloid rag writer. So huh. was that, what is that about? What about Nancy Allen makes you think, I think she writes articles about uh, aliens and uh, that fat boy for a living. I don't huh. know. I don't Somebody know. told her she's got pep and she thought, well, I got pep. Yeah, I that could be a tabloid. Uh-huh. It's like, what's, what's, what's the most amount of money I can make for the least amount of work? <laughs> exactly. I, I have a question about Nancy Allen in this scene as well, which is, why in the world does she ask Charlie for a cigarette and then one minute later light another one of her own cigarettes? Is that is, Was that the, the equivalent of flirting back in the 80s? It might have been. It might have been. Well, I think also that the film's budget, like 90% of it, went to her cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> as we as our budget on Creatures from the Pink Lagoon did. Because she I, is – I can understand that. She's a fucking chimney. Oh yeah. She didn't, want, she didn't want to waste her own cigarettes, or she could get some from somebody else. Exactly. There's that too. There's that too. <laughs> well, again, it, it seems pa- like I think it's they a were, power move. It's a power move. It, like, see, it really felt again like they were planting some, you know, some little um, foreshadowing where he says, "You know, I quit," and I thought, "Oh, something's going to happen with this. Like, he's going to have this moment of weakness, and cigarettes are going to help him." Or no, 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 no. <laughs> she just lights her own cig, and that's it. The, the, the Stranger Fate is brought to you by Merit Cigarettes. Thank you. <laughs> When fighting aliens, choose merit. And then did you notice another thing that went nowhere is that Charlie is – so she calls her coworker in to listen to Charlie's story about, you know, seeing the alien in Illinois. And there's some dude lurking in the doorway behind listening to the story. Uh Uh-huh. And so I think, ooh, one of the aliens is there, you know, seeing how much he knows. And no, that's just a dude who's in the way. It was the director (laughs) putting himself in the movie. 
It looked like Rob Morrow, actually. I thought, what is Northern Exposure doing there? It was the director putting himself in the movie. Oh, it literally was? Yeah. Oh, there you have it. Yep. Yeah, but it's such an ominous shot and goes nowhere. But it turns out it could have been they could have not he could have not come in because it turns out immediately afterwards she's being followed by aliens now. Like he led right. them to her, so now they're following her to find out what's going on with her and find out what she knows. And she's already dismissed all this. She's like, "Listen, we've had you know we have no budget for alien stories anymore. They're not in vogue anymore. It's all about two-headed dogs now." Right? Is that a John Carpenter joke? I don't. Why would no? Because that well, isn't it. Isn't there a two-headed dog in the thing, or is it just the upside-down-headed dog? Well, it's a lot of headed dogs. It's, uh, okay, yeah. And I don't know because that was the same years. They would have been making it at the same time. Oh, okay. I don't know. It's all very. It's all very complex. It's all very complex. It is lots of hidden meanings, layers upon fraud, layers. Fraud. But she's she's got a bit of a lead on. She's like, well, you know, I, after he leaves, she's like, you know what? This picture. Then he's pointing out. You know, we just pulled it from the files and wrote a story around it. But it did come with a letter. Hey, why don't? Hey, guy who's been cracking jokes this whole time. Why don't you go find that letter? Right. So she's like, well, maybe I will help him because I don't know if she really wants to help him or bone him. Uh, I think a little column A, a little column B. Because, you know, nothing is sexier than an entomologist in need. <laughs> a, a sort of lackluster entomologist in uh-huh. need. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, she she identifies with, with – because, you know, she probably wants to be writing for the New York Times. So she's like, I get it. It's We can identify on not meeting the standards we set for ourselves. Uh-huh. <laughs> Well, she does joke that, he, that she wonders if he's from the Pulitzer Committee, so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's exactly where I'm here. Um, so she goes back to her apartment. We're following her now, and we're bouncing around town in her orange jumpsuit. <laughs> and who shows up? Wallace Shawn. Yes. Yes. You know, Earl, that funny-sounding machine next to the sink that's supposed to make my garbage disappear? Uh-huh. Well, it doesn't. Well, I guess I'll be up later. He seemed to be in everything in the late 70s and early 80s. He just Uh was always popping up. Yeah, he's her super, and she's having trouble with her garbage garbage disposal. He's supposed to come up and see her later. She goes up, and she mixes herself a smoothie for about 14 hours. (laughs) Again, it seems like they're setting something up with the noise of the blender. It's going to cover up something. No, no, she's just... No. Using the blender. No, but while she's whipping up her, I guess it wasn't a smoothie. That's not of the time. I guess it was her, you know, I don't know. I, I can't remember the name of any of those weight loss drinks. Right. Energy drinks. Slim Fast. Just Slim Fast. There you go. Uh, Slim Fast and cigarettes. That was everybody's diet in 1983. <laughs> and Tic Tacs. <laughs> what else do you need? Um, she gets a knock on the door. Who's at the door? The Avon lady. It's the Avon lady. But we know, hey, that's the creepy waitress from the creepy diner back in Centerville. And it's the creepy scientist from Strange Behavior. Yes. And also the creepy doctor lady from The Fury. Okay. Uh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'm, try- I'm trying to keep it all on one page here. But yes, but like, should we know watching this movie? And I meant we like the general public, not you scholars of, of shit cinema. <laughs> We're like, oh, no, that's not the Avon lady. And also back in the day where the Avon lady could just waltz into your apartment building. Right. And go well, knocking from door to this... door. Hello, Avon. Hi, Avon. New wave, right? Oh, pardon me. Well, look, I mean, you're part of the band or something. 
Uh, uh, we have many fine products. Oh, come on. Don't you people do any market research? Uh, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Well, then let me put it this way. I don't want any. Oh, but uh, please, if you, would, if you would just let me familiarize you with some of our miraculous products that could change your life. Well, not today. There's such a weird exchange between them, too, where Nancy Allen, like, immediately has no time for it, but takes the time to say, oh, new wave, huh? Like, you know, set, like assumes that she's in some band, and she doesn't really look that new wave to me. No, she doesn't. She no, looks very confused. Yes, but I, but I guess that was kind of new, would have been new wave at the time. The stray cats were happening. Oh, okay. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, I'm digging. I'm really digging here, but... <laughs> And so she closes the door. She's like, sorry, not interested in anything and anything that you have. <laughs> Do your market research. Yeah, she does. She really scolds her. Yeah. And closes the door on her. And as soon as she closes the door, you hear this big thud. <sighs> because Avon Lady has collapsed in a heap. Because it's hot in New York and that alien skin is heavy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She can't have all this bullshit, all this beating around the bush with people. Uh-huh. She's like, oh, I'm so sorry. I can I just can I trouble you to use your bathroom? Right. What's like, her end game here? Well, I think it was to, you know, do what they do. To remove them in the way that they remove people. Right. Or to turn it just... out into a ball of light. Right. Yeah. Well let's let's talk about what happens in the scene, then I'll then I'll give you more questions because yes. I just I don't know. So she lets the Avon lady lose, use the bathroom, goes back to that slim fast in the blender. Again, yes. <laughs> Still blending. That shit was chunky. You know, it was it never you could have you could have blended it for three hours and it still would have been a grainy mess. But now she gets scared because Wallace Shawn shows up behind her uh, to fix the um, garbage disposal. Right. He shows up in the mirror in her kitchen, which is weird. Um. Well, according to Feng Shui, if you put a mirror behind your kitchen, it's supposed behind your oven, it's supposed to be good for something. I don't know what it's supposed to do for your blender. <laughs> Nothing, apparently, because she blended and that did not work. No, it didn't. It didn't help with anything. It didn't get help with the lady in the bathroom or nothing. And she tells him, "Oh, listen, I really hate to ask you, but there's a strange woman who's locked herself in her in my bathroom. She's been in there forever. Could you just go check on her?" Right. And he does. And this is the most frightening scene in the film for me. Really? Yes, because that bathroom was horrifying. Oh, God, the mint green with the red and white circus stripes? Yeah, okay, yeah. The the walls were painted the same color as, you know, toothpaste. Like, yes. Not white toothpaste, not like that blue gel toothpaste. It's that same color. And it pans to the shower. We see the, uh, um, the, uh, the, 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 the curtain flickering softly as if someone's behind it. And it's red and white barber stripes. Yeah. Like somebody's under the big top in there. It was hideous. It was hideous. It's this huge bathroom. It's just hideous. The decorator was like, "What do you do in the bathroom? You brush your teeth. I'll make it look like she's." I'm gonna make exactly. <laughs> it, it looked like Aquafresh. It looked like everything in Aquafresh put together. It did, and all the towels were that color too. Oh, oh, honey, there's no excuse for that. I don't care what year it was. Oh no, 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 no. But before Wallace could get too far, all of a sudden lightning shoots out from behind the. Shower curtains. Yeah, it's she doesn't even give him the benefit of seeing her before she shoots him. She just sticks a finger through the curtain and he's out. Well, who knows what she was doing behind there? 
because now I'm getting the, the glory hole imagery of the whole thing. <laughs> oh, you know, when you, when you stick your appendages through things and just shoot whoever's passing by. Sure, uh-huh. Exactly, uh-huh. yeah, sure, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, uh-huh. Allegedly. It was the 80s. Everyone was doing it. <laughs> they cut the whole... So, okay, so now so now my questions happen because, you know, we see while Sean gets shot, he's got like this, you know, scorch hole in the middle of his chest. He's down on the floor. Nancy Allen walks in and finds him, but not Alien Avon Lady. Yeah, she's gone. And then we cut, and now Nancy Allen's sitting in her living room with a you know uniformed cop and Mark Goddard, uh-huh. hubba hubba, who's playing a detective, and he apparently has already checked out the bathroom, and he comes back to inform Nancy Allen that you know they can't investigate an electrocution when there's dun 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 no body. You know, there's one thing that bothers me. Normally, when someone's been electrocuted, there's a body. Where's the body? Right. So my question is, what happened between those two scenes? Like, did Alien Avon Lady just, you know, vanish? Did she run out? Did, like, how did she get out? And why didn't she fulfill her mission, which clearly was to, you know, kill or do whatever orb thing they do to Nancy Allen? I don't know. I have no answers for you. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. I think I assume she just, like, zapped herself away. (laughs) Some more she undefined powers. herself away. Yes, yes. I figured that too, like, shit had gone down twisted. She's like, we gotta get out. Just burn the room. Get out. <laughs> right, right. Call the cleaner. Take Wallace Shawn. Get the fuck out of here. I guess. Yeah, it was weird. At this point, it gets a little bit confusing, and uh, it lost me a little in the last third, when it was just like a lot of crazy chasing and balls of light and whatever. Well, the next scene is actually where, so it's Betty back at work with, Tim, the, you know, the lazy uh-huh. co-worker. Wearing, and that's wearing, actually where she... Wearing, like, solid gold evening wear, like, in the daytime, but that's totally fine. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. That's totally fine. To- okay. She's a totally solid gold dancer in the middle of the day at work. Whatever, please continue. Yeah, and she, you know, she gives him his mission, which is to dig up that letter that came with the alien photo, and Charlie shows up and, and asks Betty out for drinks, and this is where she delivers probably my favorite line of the film. There, there are a couple, but this one's pretty up there, which is... I don't want to go around saying there was an alien in my apartment who gobbled up my soup. It sounds ridiculous. I just want somebody to believe me. I believe you, Charlie. I really do. Oh, let's not tell anybody. You know what I mean? Let's just forget it. I mean, I don't want to walk walk around saying there was a, an alien in my apartment who gobbled up my soup. It sounds ridiculous. I want to forget it. Soup meaning superintendent, I think. Yes. But she, you know, she gives it that New York twist. Uh-huh. And, well, and just her... talks about what she was blending. No, was soup. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Oh, we didn't know that yeah, the, soup, the soup had also, the blender had also vanished in the melee. <laughs> well, that would that would explain why we spent so much time on the setup with that blender. Yes, so then it, it does get weird because we suddenly cut to this, this alien in a bow tie, like, acing this um, arcade game called Stargate. Sure thing, uh-huh. He's and not even looking at it. Astonished. He's not even looking, right? And they're all astonished. But meanwhile, he's not looking at the video game, but also not looking at his marks because they escape right under his nose. Yeah. Well, that's the problem with video games, man. That's why we didn't have, we didn't have in 1958. There you go. Uh-huh. He's, yeah. He's, he got sucked into that whole nightmare. You know what it is? All of a sudden, is. you plunk $20 into that thing. You come he's away mainlining with that sweet 80s video game culture. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, he missed his marks. But they're having a romantic time out they go for drinks they go for dinner they go back right. to his and then he, apartment 
Yes, and that's where we find out that he has not cleaned up in the ensuing days since the break-in. And there are bugs on the loose in his apartment. <laughs> his, his, right. his sample bugs from work are just on the loose. If I were Nancy Allen at that point, I'm like, unacceptable, no more. Right. Well, it was a few years until Silence of the Lambs came out, so she didn't know exactly how creepy moths flying around willy-nilly really were. Uh As long as the the moths weren't trying to eat her soup, so she was all right. (laughs) So then, of course, alien ex-wife shows up. I was supposed to find out how things work here, but instead I found the way. The way I wanted to live. And when it didn't work out with you and me... There was still Elizabeth. Now, Charles, now, now is the important time. Now they want Elizabeth, too. You've got to get to her. You've got to hide her for the next couple of days until 9 o'clock on Sunday night. Uh, Charlie, I'm, I'm sorry. I should have told you. Uh, acting, uh, uh, whatever the hell she's going on here. Uh, and Nancy yeah, Allen that, gets mad and storms that she didn't tell me you were married. Right, it's a classic Three's Company setup, right? Where he's on a date yeah. with a new girl and the ex-wife <laughs> shows up, and nobody can just say ex-wife. He has to say wife because you know that's that's where the hilarity ensues. Well, then he so. said I'm divorced, and she was like, "Yeah, tell me another one." She storms off anyway. Right. And this is my then, other, this is my other favorite part of the movie. Oh, it's so great! It's so great because she's I'll out. She's she goes out and she's pouting in front of the building, like playing in traffic. I don't know what the hell she's doing. She's not calling <laughs> Kevin or what she's doing. It really is odd. Like she's dancing for cabs that aren't stopping, and I'm not sure. Yeah. And um, there's a park across the street, and you have a little retread of the birds happening. <laughs> totally, she, but with 1950s aliens. Yeah, she's fucking around in the street, and there's like one creepy dude on a park bench that she knows. She turns around. Another creepy dude. Then, ba-boom, the Avon lady shows up. So she panics, and she runs back into the building, and she has this long run across the street and a long run down the hallway, and Nancy Allen is not wearing anything resembling a bra. (laughs) Her tits are everywhere. Oh, yeah. They're jiggly. It's amazing. She's very brave about that. I feel like there were a lot of movies where she ran with, you know, jiggly breasts. And I think that's fabulous. Go for her. I say, but of course, this is me thinking and picturing like Take Thirty Two. Oh, cow, <laughs> bruising. It's the I mean, yeah, I mean, I know they're there for bras exist for a reason. You need support at yeah. times like this, in times of crisis. And I realized that 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 disco solid gold outfit was made <laughs> to wear, wear bra braless. Right, and she she runs past the sleeping doorman. Yes, who never wakes up. No, I think he's dead. Oh, it could That's be, very Rhoda. He's probably Carlton the doorman. Got he retired, moved from one building to another. <laughs> but we see him. I don't think we ever saw Carlton. No, we didn't. No, well, this is a new movie. Okay, there you go. Maybe they teased it. Like you'll finally see Carlton, or will you? <laughs> yeah, and she's trying to get back up to the apartment, and the Avon lady's chasing her. And she gets in the elevator, and she's like, oh, thank God, I'm staying in the elevator. And the elevator starts to go up, it gets up a few floors, the Avon lady goes, zing, 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 with her brain. Their alien powers. Her alien powers start bringing the elevator back down. And Nancy Allen is screaming and crying and screaming and crying. But being a woman of the 80s in New York City, she knows how to defend <laughs> herself, because Nancy Allen, aside from not wearing a bra, she's packing heat. 
Well, that's one of the things that was actually successfully telegraphed in this film is that when they're out at the bar and she's telling Charlie about crazy Avon lady coming into her apartment, she says, well, if I ever run into her again, I'll be ready. Yeah. She said she was an Avon lady, for Christ's sakes. If I run into her again, I'm going to be ready. And she was. (laughs) She absolutely was. She shot that bitch right in the chest. No holes barred. Oh, and what a glorious, glorious effect shot that is. Yes, because not only does she get to shoot her in the chest, but this woman's chest pretty much explodes in the sea of green goo. Oh, a geyser of green goo. It's beautiful. Such a nightmare to experience that in an elevator, though. <laughs> I bet. I bet. Where do you go? And, and of course, everyone's going to think it was you the next <laughs> when they step oh, into boy. the elevator. <laughs> well, that's what they say. In case of emergency, you take the stairs. You don't take the elevator. She couldn't have done anything to the stairs. She's just an Avon lady from space. <laughs> just. One of those. <laughs> well, it's funny how she has these like these magical powers, but they're limited. Like, she can disappear from a room, but she still has to take the elevator. Uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> right. But what I thought at this point, when the Avon lady shows up this time, she's wearing a completely different outfit. She has gone full 80s. Like full 80s music video. Like gigantic. Robert Palmer music video. Yeah, gigantic shoulder blades. We've got alien women in shoulder blades. It's amazing. In shoulder pads. It's amazing. It is is a sight. She's a designing woman. She could have been in that Motels video. Oh, yeah. Suddenly last summer. She totally looked like that. (laughs) 1940s tragic thing, but not 1940s. Totally 80s. Totally 80s polyester nightmare. Loved it. Loved it, loved it, loved it. So now there's aliens descending all over the building. They have to escape down the fire escape. And Right. And, and Diana Scarwood says that she, you know, she'll hold them off. Uh, no, you guys go down the fire escape. I'll hold them off. <laughs> How? We don't know. She just walks over to them. I'm going to bore them to death with my bad acting and flat tones. Uh, mission accomplished. Oh, and suddenly it's daytime. Yes, it was a very quick yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> they go out in the fire escape and it's broad daylight. Yes, and then but, and here's and this sequence gets really confusing because Louise Fletcher shows up in a cab. Yes, yes get in. <laughs> Which and and she has like a full five minute conversation with Charlie before Nancy Allen, who's sitting between them, by the way, says, "Who the hell is this?" Yes. <laughs> Now tell me I didn't see anybody in Centerville. Tell me nobody's living Mr. there. Come Bigelow. on, tell me. Come on. Well, I can't do that. You know I can't do that. Come on, tell me. I want to hear you say it. You've intruded on a very delicate situation. Come on, Benjamin. All right, I will tell you one thing. We have an agreement with them. We've known about them for a long time. They provide us with certain advantages, and we provide them with a place to live. But it hasn't been easy. We haven't had much choice at all in Don't dealing with Don't give that. us that. Charlie, after us. who is this? This is the government woman I told you about. Hello, I'm Betty Walker. Well, I know who you are, Miss Walker. Your article has caused us a lot of agony. You know... These people don't know what a rag your newspaper is. They actually take it seriously. I don't know what they'll do next. And, of course, this is where Louise Fletcher admits that she knows all about the aliens and that the aliens have an agreement with the U.S. government. Yes. And that all you have to do is be quiet because they're leaving. (laughs) They're leaving, all right? Just stop. Just leave me alone. Uh Uh-oh, we lost Chris. Did we? Chris? 
Oh, here I am. Sorry. There he is. <laughs> He's like uh, Fiona Lewis. He just disappears. I did. I just well, I'm not going to shoot him in the chest to find out. Yeah, I electrocuted Wallace Shawn, and then I had to... Yeah, we find all this stuff out, but they're leaving soon. You just have to shut your mouth until Sunday at 9 o'clock. Which is so bizarre. I don't, I don't get it. Like, are they on like a boarding schedule? Like, is there, you know, is there a, a certain planetary alignment that needs to happen before they can leave? I they don't have know. to leave right before the wonderful world of Disney. Thank you. <laughs> there you go. God, I remember that. So, of course, once they get in the cab, Charlie figures that they must be going for his daughter because Diana Scarwood has managed to, you know, give us some useful exposition, which is that, you know, the daughter is half alien and they're going to want to take her yes. to their home planet. So he goes to June Lockhart's. And this is this is the most inexplicably quick kidnapping scene ever. It's just it's told in like broad strokes, basically, where, you know, you've got like three Mormon looking kidnappers tiptoeing into the building. I'm not sure if it's like if she owns like a multi-floor apartment or if it's just an, an open concept, because they're walking yeah. up a staircase that looks like it's interior. Um, the the actress who plays the daughter is doing a terrible job of playing, quote unquote, asleep. Yes. You know, the girl keeps like opening her eyes. Are they coming to get me yet? Are they going to lift me up? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, why did you choose this take? And so they, you know, scoop her up and basically we cut. And the cab pulls up to the building. They run in. June Lockhart basically is, you know, holding her head in her hands. Still in bed. And then they, still in bed. Yeah, <laughs> still in bed. Still has the, uh, the, the night mask on her, on the top of her head. She hasn't even fully removed that yet. And so they just run back out. It's like Benny Hill. Like they yeah. run in. She says that she's gone. They run back out. But for some reason now, they've decided that Louise Fletcher is no longer a help to them. Right. So they steal the cab and leave her behind. Right. But she's been tailed, apparently, by some guys in, like, a government car, so she has a backup? Yes. It, it's, yeah, it's very But confusing. she took a taxi. <laughs> right, exactly. So they they do this, um, let's find them, you know, put an APB out for all the, I don't know, like, the toll booths and the, the airports, and go, yeah. what about a train? Nobody takes the train. Cut to. <laughs> them taking a train. Charlie and Nancy Allen escaping <laughs> on the train. Right. Which, again, really strange because, like, there's – I don't know. I don't feel a sense of urgency from Paul Lamatt during no. this. Like, his daughter's just been kidnapped. No. Um, and he's just like – and so not only is he taking a train, which, you know, is, like, not a very quick mode of travel, um, but he allows Nancy Allen to convince him to go see the the writer of the letter that yes. accompanied the photo of the alien instead of, I don't know, going to find his daughter maybe? Yes, because he's also in Illinois. And Illinois is a very small place. Apparently. Uh-huh. Plus, you know, he's played by Michael Lerner. They always over-research everything. Uh-huh. It's true. Sure. We have 36 <laughs> hours. We could spend 12 talking to this guy in a lunatic asylum. Oh, yeah, that's a great little bit where he actually does the math on a notepad to figure out how many hours before his daughter gets taken to another planet. Yeah. And then suddenly they seem like they're in a freight car. Like, you know, they're totally in regular train seats for the first half of the scene. And then, like, you know, it, it gets to be night and they're sitting on the floor in this car with like a blue red glow. And it's just like, what, are they hobos now? What happened here? Yes, we clearly we missed something. <laughs> <laughs> but they arrive in Illinois and sure enough, they find Willie. Yes. 
Yes, who's got a whole lot of very helpful backstory to give. Oh, does he ever. He gets a flashback, even. He does, he does, which explains his horrible hair powder in the modern times. (laughs) Oh, God, that's so terrible. So what happened? What's the story with Willie? Well, he... Oh, I can't remember the full story, but he's basically on a road trip with his family. And, you know, he's burning the midnight oil and driving through the night, and his wife gets concerned because he's yawning. So, And the kids are are being kids in the backseat. Are they there yet? So they they decide to stop in Illinois, in Centerville, Illinois, apparently. And everyone goes to bed, but for some reason, Willie decides to go check out the, the church, which has, there's a strange sound coming from the church. So he goes inside w- with a lit cigar, P.S. Uh-huh. <laughs> Seems a little sacrilegious to me. And... um and, you know, sees this strange glow and follows the glow down into the basement of the church, which suddenly becomes like, I don't know, like the sub-basement of a factory or something. Yeah, yeah, it's this huge installation under the church. Right, and so he sees these aliens doing some kind of ceremony where they're, you know, standing around a hovering orb of light, and they see him, see them, mm-hmm. and so he flees, and... This is oh this next scene. He um, runs back to his hotel room, and the wife is missing, the daughter's missing, but he hears like his son crying out, and he runs into his room just in time to see an alien like you know waving a hand over the kid's face, and the kid oh, he shrivels up and turns into this orb of light. Uh huh. And then three little balls of light. Or cooing, saying, Daddy, Daddy, or Willie, Willie, and they float out the window and they're all gone. And the scene of that kid shriveling up into that ball oh. is absolutely horrifying. It is. It is not PG horror. That it is, is um. It- that is some maybe R, maybe PG-13 horror right there. Terrifying, terrifying, brilliantly done practical special effect. The little shriveled right. feet were just, were just oh, God, little so boneless horrifying. feet were the most awful thing. And yeah, so it's, he, it's like a human shrinky dink. Yeah, so he thinks they're dead, okay. and he's been accused of murdering them, and he's you know been through all his whole thing, and he's vowed revenge and blah, blah, blah. And goes crazy and gets institutionalized. Uh-huh. I'm so impressed by how much you remember all the details of this movie. I obviously wasn't paying close enough attention because, <laughs> like, wait, all of this happened? Uh-huh. <laughs> I, took, I took notes. He's like, Nancy Allen's not on camera. I'm not interested anymore. That, that maybe is a little bit what happened. <laughs> <laughs> well, and who could blame you? So then, so they have their conversation with Willie. Um, they get what they, they think they get what they need. They leave, and they're pulling away, and Willie pops up in their back seat. Uh-huh. He's escaped like the asylum. Yeah, he's, he's stowing away. He's escaped. He's going to help them. But first he needs to have a nice big cigar. Uh-huh. Stinking up the car. Right. She's like, that's so, my job. Exactly. And so they drive for a little while, and then there's a roadblock, and sure enough, it's Louise Fletcher and her Department of Alien Affairs people. Yes. Um, and there's this, there's this great setup shot where Charlie... You know, reaches into his glove compartment of, I guess, it, I mean, it must be a rental car, right? It has, it has he reaches to be. into the, the glove compartment and there's a gun in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where like it came a, from, I don't know, because it's not Nancy Allen. She didn't be very It was the it 80s. Was, All rental cars came with guns. <laughs> That's probably true. 
so he you know he prepares for this moment so of course like once they get pulled over at the at the roadblock he pulls the gun and holds louise fletcher at gunpoint gets them past the roadblock and then literally throws her out of the car which was amazing (laughs) he just threw louise fletcher out of the car rolling down a hill i swear she did her own stunt because she sells that like ow that hurt moment when she stands (laughs) up uh huh, and it was really th- considering that it was like this fairly large grouping of armed militia. <laughs> right, <laughs> they got through them really easily. It was very they easy. They really did. And especially since that one that looked like the Mod Squad guy looked like he meant business. Oh yeah, absolutely. That one guy was amazing. That one shot of him with the tight afro and the dark sunglasses. Oh, like, oh, he did. He, oh, he he was. He was Link from Mod Squad for sure, and he was pissed that they got past him. Uh huh. Uh huh. But and, we never you know, see him again. That, we never see him again. He had that great tight close-up. You know, he did that all that great facial acting, and then nothing. Yeah, and the rest of this is a lot of running around until the big showdown. You know, they get everybody's preparing to leave. There's a great scene where all the all the citizens of Townsville are walking to the mothership and just yes. peeling off their skin as they're walking. Oh, that is great. Like, that is great. Finally, God, and like... just leaving it on the ground. So there's just piles of flesh. All right. along his trail. It's disgusting. <laughs> and there's this great moment where Nancy Allen is more invested in the safety of this little girl than either of the little girl's parents. Yes. Like, she snatches the kid and runs away with her, and the parents are just kind of standing there zombie-like, like, oh, huh. Yeah. I mean, didn't think of that. There's something off the whole time. You know, it's like you married this woman, you can't figure out that she's an alien, even though she acts like Diana Scarwood. She disappears, she's not expecting anything. She can light the stove without using a match. (laughs) Right. Charlie? Mm -hmm. Can I ask you the obvious question? What? Didn't you know she was a little strange? Well, she was difficult to live with, but so am I. She was a good mother. She doesn't have to strike a match to light a stove. Yeah, well, it was a talent she kept to herself. Well, and Louise Fletcher even asks him about, like, why his marriage failed early in the film. And he's like, that's none of your business. And and he says that they were only married for four years. And yeah, so there is definitely, you know, so so he married an alien. Uh Uh-huh. I never noticed. (laughs) <laughs> never noticed yeah like what's up with that like she, he had to get through all those layers of fake skin to get to whatever anatomy she actually had I, there Ooh. is that there is that and <laughs> i mean if we're you know if we're really gonna investigate this deeply literally um <laughs> let's talk about alien vaginas let's not let's never do that here ever <laughs> ever ever yeah and um yeah and then it, the finale itself is like that was lame Oh, so lame. So, the, yeah, so there's this whole weird sequence where they all kind of give up and get marched onto the mothership. Yeah, uh, Willie gets blue-orbed, uh, Nancy Allen gets blue-orbed. Well, does she? Okay, so that's yes. really confusing to me. Yes. Because they, they blue-orb Willie, and it's very clear, you know, it's done not quite as horrifyingly as his kid, but they at least show his feet start to shrivel, and then they show the blue orb. So you know yeah. that he's blue-orbed. But then they show... The asshole innkeeper put his hand in front of Nancy Allen's face, which, of course, is an indication that she's about to get blue-orbed. 
But then they cut to the mothership, and I think, oh, is this a distraction? She's not going to get blue-orbed. And I swear I saw her in a crowd scene after that. I can't help you. I assume that she got blue-orbed based, based on where she ended up later in the movie. Well, she well, probably I thought so, too. They were like, we need one more extra. We don't have the budget. That's it here. You <laughs> Put on a bra. They'll never recognize you. <laughs> exactly. So the, the denouement is that they, they're in the ship. And the kid finally convinces the mother to do something. Uh-huh. You know, Mommy, can you help us? And, and Charlie's like, yeah, Margaret, help us. For the love of God, Margaret, do something. So she you know, flings her arm and zaps the alien guards that are you know, not even really holding Charlie and the daughter. They're no, just kind of no, because they're, they're taking off them. now. They're all going. You know, Charlie's going too now. Everybody's going to outer space now. Right. Right, but and the so, thing is, it's not just that she flings her flings her arm to shoot out the laser beam. She does this like completely over the top <laughs> Saturday Night Fever disco move to get it to work. She really, does. which is amazing. Well, she is wearing glitter gel because she's an alien. That was like when they made V into a TV series, and all the aliens had to wear glitter hairspray. <laughs> <laughs> that V TV series was amazing. It oh, was God. awful, 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 awful. We're not talking about that. And then the kid, like, <laughs> the Elizabeth, 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 do what mommy taught you. And then the kid. And she does the, the arm fling as well. Now, Elizabeth, do what mommy told you now. Uh-huh. And it gets the door to stop and her and her dad get out and the flying saucer takes off and the right. day and is so now what i don't understand is is this like one last grand gesture on on the part of of margaret that that flash of light hits the church and all the orbs people come back to life or is this like the aliens doing it or is it just like oh well they're off the planet now i guess we can undo everything that they i think did. that was part of the plan it's like we're we were here to do no harm so we're just going to send every back Everybody back to their lives, and they're just going to be fine, despite the fact that all these people are now here <laughs> 25 years in the future. Right, right. After having been living in isolation. Oh, it's so weird. As the a blue dog ball. comes back. Even the dog the comes back. Dog is back. The soup comes back. The soup comes back. The blender. Nancy Allen's the in a tree. <laughs> yeah, the blender's back. Nancy Allen's in a tree. No bra or, bra or panties. It's fantastic. And then uh, the little girl says, she'll be back about her mother. Which I think is probably, you know, them setting up a sequel or whatever. Yeah. Which mercifully never happened. Never happened. And the they movie didn't has even... no denouement read... at all. No, none. That's no. it. Well, no, the, the penis ship does withdraw. You do get to see that terrible effect one more time. Uh-huh. 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 Dildo's yeah, space. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And that's the movie. So, I would have seen the sequel if it came out. Oh, of course you would have. If it was all, if it was all Diana <laughs> Scarwood versus, versus Nancy Allen. Versus Fiona Lewis. Maybe the three of them, like the first wives club, kind of. They get an apartment together. <laughs> Sell Avon. For real. It's a wacky comedy. Any movie, I, that, any movie that has the, and Nancy Allen saying the line with a straight face, I'm just a simple working girl. I'm happy. Let me explain something to you, Charlie. You're a professor who devotes a major portion of your day carving up bugs and flirting with co-eds. I'm just a simple working girl who's been making up stories like this for the National Informer for years. And I'd very much like to see it. Can you understand that? (laughs) I fell out. I fell out. 
No, and then when you see that 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 romantic couple again, that girl is still chewing that fucking gum. She's been oh, chewing it for twenty five years. I did not catch that. That is long lasting flavor. That is big red long lasting flavor. <laughs> that's me because when I chew gum for more than like five minutes, my jaw starts to hurt. I know you're going to make some horrible joke about. I'm that. not. I would say the same. <laughs> it's, it's one of the leading causes of TMJ. Oh, is that why? Uh huh. <laughs> and, here, and here I thought it was my nocturnal activities. Uh huh. Actually, that helps relieve TMJ. Oh, okay. oh does it? Oh, wow. Uh huh. Well, it's relaxing those muscles if you're doing it right. Good to know. Okay, this went off on a tangent. That's, that's okay. <laughs> here we are. So that was the movie. I have to say, it, it was the coolest movie when I was 12. I believe it. I think it's a pretty cool movie. It's really beautifully filmed. I love the cinematography. I love the music. It's great. Fiona Lewis is very new wave, B-52's realness. Like, it's perfect. Agreed. I enjoyed it. I thought that the, the stuff that was bonkers was enjoyably bonkers. The stuff that made no sense had me just like, you know, I, I was really investing a lot of thought into it, which, you know, I wouldn't yeah. do with a bad movie. So. Well, they said a lot of that was intentional. Because right. in a 1950s movie, that's exactly how it would have been. That's so great. I love that. And watching it now as a modern audience, you're like, what? What? We're so overly critical now, and we look for these things, and you know, we don't get that this was making fun of something that was already 25 years old. You know, right. in that's a way, time. for me, like movies from the 80s feel much more natural and normal to me than like current movies which i'm more critical of so like weird like 50s 80s it go here it seems like oh of course like that just makes sense to me like i didn't question it at all okay i understand <laughs> i would have loved the love theme from this but you know <clears throat> or a title song oh yeah the the um opening credits were weirdly not very 50 science fiction like they felt more like far from heaven to me which i thought was they kind did of- they were just they were very static they just, just like the the title stayed in the upper left corner uh-huh, but you had that... Wow. In case you didn't know you were watching a sci-fi movie. Did it? Maybe not in the I'm title sequence. Go, I'm gonna, Maybe not in the title sequence. Listen again. Yeah, I, don't I don't think know. so. It, it felt more lush and orchestral. Okay. Okay. I have to decide whether I'm going to keep the DVD that I bought for this uh, for this show. I think I'll watch it again. Uh, good for you. There's so much about this movie that is fabulous, that but I don't know if it has general appeal. Well, no, I mean, but what is general appeal? I know, I know. On the other hand, I sent uh, copies of out to certain people, and I said, this is actually a decent one to watch with the people in your lives that aren't horror fans, and it's yeah. not the worst thing for kids either. Yeah, no, totally. Aside from some face face-ripping stuff. Right, but it's the kind of movie that a kid would, like, feel like they saw a good, like, adult horror movie without actually showing them, like, a, a, a scarring adult horror movie. Right? Yeah. Like, this one? Yes. Yeah, although I had to say that thing with the, with the, with the, with the kid getting orbed was scarifying at the time. <laughs> it was. Well, and it's funny because in my But if you're going to show one person have go through that, you might as well, might as well be a kid. Because well, the and 80s ginger, and child abuse is awesome. ginger kid at that. Yes. Yes, I don't know how I don't know how Willie had a ginger kid, but whatever. Well, the milkman. They still had those in the eighties. Sure, 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 sure. And well technically the fifties. Oh, was it that long ago that he encountered them too? Well, I assume so. I mean they were 
Yeah, he did relatively fifties. Yeah, they were relatively fifties. Which, which did you ass. notice that that was a great little bit of acting too, where the wife comes back and she's like touching his hair, like what the hell has happened to you? What is this <laughs> shit in your hair? <laughs> yes. When do you smoke cigars? Oh God. Oh. Well, always because he was smoking it in the flashback. Too. Oh, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. In church. In church. Like you I do, dare you, sir. like you do. I got I still got a kick out of this movie. It, there's, it, there's a lot that's wrong with it. Like, I mean, Paul Lamatt, bless his heart. Oh, he, he could not, not work up an emotion. Not a charismatic actor. No. Although I thought it'd been really fabulous if at some point, like one of the aliens, like ripped his face off in front of him, and underneath it was Mackenzie Phillips <laughs> from American Graffiti. <laughs> what did? Oh, right, because they were in American Graffiti together. I was like, he was on One Day at a Time? No. (laughs) Your car's even uglier than I am. It would have been amazing. I I I mean, I love anything with a Mackenzie Phillips cameo. Same here. Uh Uh-huh. We Uh, all need more Mackenzie Phillips in our lives. We really do. It feels like she should have been. Well, it was 1983. She was probably still in rehab. Bless her heart. Right, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, this this would have been very detrimental for her, and then to have it flop at the box office that would have completely sent her in a tailspin. Yeah, oh, yeah. that's it's interesting that um, it flopped so hard. I wonder why. Uh-huh. Is, I guess because it's just weird. Maybe even then it didn't have enough appeal. I guess not. Well, and it was it was the second in a planned trilogy that weren't necessarily related thematically, but had they all, they all had strange in their title. Oh. They had to they had to cancel the third film because. You know, this one didn't do well. Oh, mm. that's too bad. wonder what yeah. that would have been. Oh, I read it, and I can't remember. I think it was going to be like, I don't know, like a 40s Maltese Falcon kind of thing. Okay. All I'm coming up with is strange movements, and that just sounds gross. <laughs> that was the pop bossy, like all that jazz. <laughs> Interpretive dance. <laughs> Actually, they had that great oh, dance sequence in, in Strange Behavior. I haven't seen that in so long, I don't remember. All I remember was somebody peeing blood, I think. Oh, that movie is amazing. I'm a big fan. And I thought for a second that that teenage girl at the beginning was What's-Her-Butt, who was in that movie, who was also in um, Return, uh, 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 Revenge of the Nerds. Oh, um, and Halloween? Wait, which which girl from Revenge of the Nerds? Oh, oh, so I say I gotta be me. So I say I gotta be <laughs> I your face. But <laughs> Anthony Edwards' meant. girlfriend. I can't remember her name. Right. I thought right. it was her at first, but I looked it up and it's not. Oh, uh, okay. So I was sad. She was in Real Genius, too. Oh, lovely. That's a good one. So it is late on a Friday night, and I think we've burned ourselves out, boys. Thank <laughs> you for uh, getting together so late. Uh, it was very... Nice of you. That's okay. It's important. To, you know, you have to be accommodating to your guests. It's always, it's always nice to be accommodating to strange men. Well, plus we're theater queens. We come alive at night. We do. That's right. That's right. We do. We do. I need my intermission cocktail right now is my problem. <laughs> well, don't let us stop you. I have to leave the house. I have no time for that now. Anyway, so um, so what's going on with you guys? Like Chris, what's happening with you? Like, what, what's what, what's cool things happening with Chris that people would be interested in? I am de- I'm still um, developing my my rom com set at a furry convention. Nice. Let's let's pretend we're bunny rabbits. Nice. And if all goes according to plan, I will be in pre production later this summer and hopefully shooting by the end of the year. 
that is a very cool thing. Yes. Yes. I'm very excited. And then, and sort of in the, the longer term plan, I, I am developing a sequel to Creatures from the Pink Lagoon. <gasps> okay. Yes. It'll is it be... going to be like, a, like what's the, uh, what, where are you going to take it into the sequel homage territory? It'll be, uh, we're going to the seventies. Nice. So it's, it's going to have, um, definitely a, a groovier, funkier vibe. It's going to be vampires instead of zombies. Okay. And it's, and it's going to be set at a Studio 54-esque disco. Fit. Love that. I love that. Right, I'm on board. And it's right next door to a pizza parlor, which of course, you know, becomes important when they need garlic to fight the, the vampires. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and location, some of our location, from, location. Oh, absolutely. And some of our favorites from the original film will be back, and then we'll have some, you know, very um, distinct 70s-type characters as well. Chris, do you know how many conversations I end now with, you're so attractive? <laughs> Don't ruin it. I love that. I love that. Such a good movie. I totally look forward to that. I'm so on board with that. And Ben, what's going on with you? Anything cool? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm actually working on, uh, a TV show that I can't speak about because it's that top secret. Um, but it involves crime and danger and, uh, it's slightly in the vein of the case of Jean Benet Ramsey, but something very different. So that's, that's kind of exciting. Okay. And Uh, just so everybody knows, Ben sure did not kill Jean Benet Ramsey. Regardless of what I've said about him on Facebook, he did not do it. Okay, he just no. didn't do it. Billy O'Hara, even the good publicity is is help. Even the bad publicity helps when you're as big as I am. <laughs> Go have a doll, kid. He's had all the dolls, I think. I'm jealous. Okay, boys, thank you very much for joining me. It's been fabulous having you. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful. Okay. See you later. Bye. Good night. Again, I apologize for not getting to voicemails this week. I promise I will get everybody next time. And speaking of next time, we are going to be celebrating my birthday. It's my birthday. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's finally time to buckle down and take a look at that 1981 classic. Happy birthday to me because, hey... Happy birthday to me, right? 
what? Of course, right. I'm very excited. I'll be bringing back, uh, I'm bringing back Manuel Canary from the American Gothic episode, that fantastic San Francisco performer who works with Peaches Christ and all the greatest drag queens out there, and also a first-time guest. Now, I know her from those murder mystery shows I used to do, and she is one of the most fearless and brilliant performers I have ever seen or worked with, but now she is also a world-famous voiceover artist. She is doing some of the voices in the movie that's out in the theaters right now, Your Name, that anime movie that's breaking all kinds of critical records and box office records, and I'm thrilled to have her here, and I think you're going to love them, and the best part is, she's never seen the movie. So, that is going to be a treat to find out how Little Miss 3 is going to handle that completely bonkers ending. And hey, since it's my birthday, I'm going to be having another viewing party. So keep an eye on the Facebook page and on the web page and on wherever you're checking in on the show. Keep an eye out. I will be announcing when and where sometime before the episode airs. And we're going to have a great time sitting down and watching it together so you can celebrate my birthday with me. Yay! And that will be super fun. And don't forget the contest to win a copy of the board game, Student Bodies, is still happening right now. You have until May 1st. You can enter once a day, every day. Send out a tweet. Send me a Facebook message that says, I want to win student bodies. Use the hashtag Scream Queens giveaway and get yourself in there because, you know, you got to be in it to win it. It's like my butt. Oh, my God. Please pretend I didn't say that. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> I've gone off the deep end of my butt. And... In the meantime, if you want to get in touch with the show, please pick up your phone, stick out that little digit of yours, and punch those numbers that say 917-720-2047, and leave me a voicemail. Or you can write me at crew at screamqueens.com, or send me a voicemail that way like Chuck does. Even though I didn't play it this time, that's what Chuck does. It was pretty cool. High-quality recordings. Or, 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 or you can find me on Facebook. Do a search on Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets spent. Or look me up on Twitter, at Scream Queens. And if you want to support the show, get extra episodes every month. And help me start making these baby steps towards taking the show into some exciting new places. That Things are in the works. It's all a whole bunch of baby steps going on, which keep getting interrupted by cat health crises. But it's all happening. If you want to do that, if you want to become a supporter of the show, if you want to become a patron and pledge $3, $5, $8 a month, head on over to patreon.com slash screamqueens. And of course, that's queens with a Z. So until next time, my beautiful, beautiful screamers, remember to keep the world a creepier place. And remember to send me cool stuff on my damn birthday. And of course, do not forget the Scream Queen's golden rule. Fight or flight. Survive the night. Make it to the final real baby. Because we're going to have cake. Birthday cake. Yeah. Bye. I go hunting for wind.
Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com, bitches. <laughs>